This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Wow, we have a wave going on down in my basement. Impressive. All these people came out to hear about Western States 100 history. This is episode 28. In this episode, we will have some fun talking about Western States 100 history and some of the myths that have grown out of the rich history of the race. I think honesty is always the best policy. You believe that? No, I was lying. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsors. Guess what? I released another book that I think you will really enjoy. What? Grand Canyon Rim-to-Rim History. It is a must-read for anyone who has run rim-to-rim or plans to in the Grand Canyon. It presents a 130-year history of the rim-to-rim hikers, runners, trails, bridges, Phantom Ranch, and other things you will see on your run, packed with more than 400 photos. You will read about the plane that landed near Indian Garden. I'm sorry, what? The man who rode his bike across the canyon, and dozens of early experiences crossing the canyon during the early days. I scoured through thousands of old newspaper articles to write this book. Get Grand Canyon Rim-to-Rim History on Amazon. Will do. The establishment of the Western States Endurance Run in 1977 was one of the most important pivotal events in the history of ultra running. During the next decade, the existing ultra running sport experienced a major shift from roads and tracks to trails and mountains. Other 100 mile races were spawned from the Western States 100, patterning their race formats and practices after those established by Western States. A new generation of ultra runners came into the sport, and the Western States Endurance Run became the most famous 100-miler ever. Western States proclaims that it owns 100-mile racing's richest and most compelling history. With such a rich and long history that has been told and retold over the years, it is not surprising that folklore has crept in and historic errors introduced by mistake or on purpose, making the legend of Western States and its origin story even more compelling. With the establishment of the internet and social media, much like the telephone game, myths have been told and retold. The Western States Trail Run grew out of the Western States Endurance Ride, which also has quite a bit of folklore attached to it. But this fact is clear. There would have not been a run if the ride had not existed. The riders who were the organizers of the run had the experience and wisdom to establish the Western States Endurance Run. I thought it would be interesting and helpful to look at many of these myths and some clarifying truths about the origin story of both Western States Trail Ride and Western States Endurance Run. Yes, let's play Mythbusters. Major events like these at times approach mythical status and place too much credit on certain individuals pushing aside heritage and others who paved the way for these historical events to take place. The intent of this episode is to have some fun looking at the facts and getting the listener thinking about history. Myth number one. The Western States Trail runs all the way to Salt Lake City, Utah. 
The Western States website and other websites erroneously state that the Western States Trail extends all the way from Salt Lake City, Utah. It does not and never did. The trail that crosses the desert of Nevada has been called the California Trail. Looking for a better way down the California Trail. In western Nevada, there were branches off the California Trail to various goldfield destinations or settlements. A less seldom used branch did exist, used primarily by gold miners that went from Lake Tahoe to Auburn, California. This segment came to be named Western States Trail in 1956 by Wendell Roby, a horseman and businessman who founded both the Ride and the Run. Prior to that, since 1930, the route was called the Auburn-Lake Tahoe Riding Trail. Myth number two, Wendell Roby researched and rediscovered the Western States Trail. discovered this trail? Another person did. He has been mostly forgotten and not mentioned in most histories about western states. During early 1930, Robert Montgomery Watson, a Lake Tahoe lawman, relocated and mapped out the old immigrant minor road that was used before the railroad arrived. He also constructed the granite monument near Immigrant Pass. The rediscovered trail was initially named Auburn Lake Tahoe Riding Trail. Over the years, this trail would be used frequently by horsemen. Roby should not be given the credit for rediscovering the trail. Watson deserves that credit. Myth number three. The first riding event held on the Western States Trail was in 1955. On September 22, 1931, the native sons of the Golden West from Auburn sponsored a ride on the historic route that Watson had recently mapped out. It was open to all, and there was a great deal of planning for it. The riders were initially led by Roby, and then guided by Watson. The main purpose of the 1931 ride was to place markers on the trail as instructed by Watson, so it could easily be found and used by riders in the years to come. They took two and a half days to cover the trail. Myth number four. Wendell Roby organized the first Western States trail ride in 1955 on a bet. One well-established story states that during 1955, Roby had a discussion in a bar with an associate about whether a horseback rider could cover 100 miles in a day. He got riled up about it, vowed to prove it could be done, accepted a wager, and just did it one day with four friends. Many versions of this story have been told. He very likely debated with others about this point, but the ride didn't happen on a whim to win a bet. On January 20th, 1955, a historic meeting was held in Auburn, California. Representatives of three Auburn and Sacramento County riding clubs met to discuss plans for a large three-day endurance ride event with different types of rides. Included was a three-day, 100-mile endurance ride, which was a typical format during those years. But it was also proposed that there be a 100-mile, one-day endurance ride on the last day. Roby was at this meeting and was very likely the person who brought forward a proposal for a one-day ride. The idea was debated by skeptics, and Roby was assigned to the committee for that ride. The Auburn Lake Tahoe Trail was discussed and selected. 
it was stated, quote, Horsemen familiar with the route claim that it is the best riding trail to cross the Sierra, which is left with natural surroundings and without paved roads and automobiles. The 1955 ride event was held and called the Tahoe to Auburn Trail Ride and open to all. Myth number five, Wendell Roby was the founder of the first Western States Trail Ride. Well, this could be a truth. Contemporary newspapers, though, called Roby one of the organizers of the ride, not the founder. But as Roby's legend grew, he was perhaps mistakenly given all the credit for organizing the first ride and later called the founder. The truth is that there were many forgotten individuals who organized the event. Lavelle Shields was the chairman of the 1955 ride. But there is little doubt that Roby was the main individual who pushed for the one-day, 100-mile event and helped make it happen. He also was the driving force to keep it going the next year. I think it is safe to call Roby the founder of the ride. Myth number six. The Pony Express once rode on the Western States Trail. The Pony Express never rode on the Western States Trail. The Pony Express Trail was on the other side of Lake Tahoe. Roby loved Pony Express history. As part of the early years of the Western States Trail Ride, Roby would do a reenactment of the Pony Express carrying a mail pouch to be delivered to Auburn. Through the rain and the sleet and the snow and the hail, they never did stop and they never did fail. The Pony Express, they carried the mail. In its second year, when Roby took control of the 1956 ride, it was named the Pony Express Ride. In 1957, Roby renamed the ride to Western States 100 Miles One Day Pony Express Ride. Roby knew that the 1960 Winter Olympic Games held at nearby Squaw Valley could really bring significant attention to his ride. He hoped to capitalize on it with the 100-year anniversary of the Pony Express. An editorial criticized Roby with fraud on plans for a 1960 Pony Express 100-year commemoration because the Pony Express never passed through the county or rode on the Western States Trail. Roby countered that he knew mail was delivered between the mining camps using the trail before the Pony Express was established and felt justified. Myth number seven. The Western States Trail starts at Squaw Valley. Frequently, articles about Western States beginnings state that the 1955 original ride started from Squaw Valley. No, the trail started at Lake Tahoe. By 1970, the 16th annual Western States Trail Ride was very popular and included international entries. That year, there were 169 starters, and the start was moved to Squaw Valley because development over the years at Lake Tahoe had greatly reduced the amount of open space there to accommodate the start area. Myth number eight. Gordy Ainsley was the first to cover the Western States Trail Ride on foot. Gordy Ainsley was the eighth person to cover the Western States Trail on foot during the ride. In 1972, two years before Gordy Ainsley accomplished his historic run, 
Roby allowed 20 soldiers from Fort Riley, Kansas to come to test their endurance ability to try to cover the course on foot during the ride. Their goal was to complete it in less than 48 hours. As the Vietnam War was winding down, an adventure team had been organized at the fort and they sought for a very challenging test. Mary McCarthy, the wife of Captain Joseph McCarthy who was on the adventure team, had finished the Western States Trail Ride in 1967. McCarthy brought forward the idea to march the Western States Trail. Roby was contacted and was enthusiastic about the idea. Captain McCarthy would be the commanding officer of the team and the crew chief. Lieutenant Larry Hall would lead the company on the trail. They came out about 10 days before the event to make plans with Roby, followed later by 30 other soldiers, 20 to attempt the march. Six soldiers finished with a time of 44 hours 54 minutes and another soldier finished in 46 hours 49 minutes. At the awards banquet that Sunday evening, the finishing soldiers were presented with many awards, including a trophy for the first finishers on foot prepared by Wendell Roby. One soldier said, quote, It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I'd never do it again unless I had to. But what a great sense of satisfaction to have finished. The Fort Riley Post stated, This was the first time the trail had been competitively traveled on foot with a time factor involved. Myth number nine. The soldiers took turns riding on a horse and thus didn't cover the entire Western States Trail on foot. 42 years after the soldiers' march, during a videoed presentation in a private setting attended by Gordon Ainsley in 2014, the Western States historian, Shannon Wheel, talked about the soldiers' march. I have been keeping this story under wraps for decades, but now it's time for you to know it. Oddly, she went on to attempt to discredit the Seven Soldiers' 1972 accomplishment. She stated that their guide, Jim Larimer, told her a couple years earlier that all the soldiers took rides on the horse the first day. But Larimer had recently passed away, so no validation of the hearsay claim was possible. Because this video and charges of cheating have not been retracted, they must be addressed on behalf of the soldiers. Facts and their statements don't bear up this unfair charge of cheating 42 years later without any proof. By emigrant pass very early during their 1972 march, it was determined that if all 20 soldiers stayed together, they all would never reach the finish in less than 48 hours because of some stragglers. They decided to split up into groups of three and went on at independent paces. When interviewed in 2017 and 2018, these soldiers were very credible, and some stated that they didn't even know there was a guide with a horse. They were all spread out, with only a few marching with Larimer and his horse. The horse was used to rescue some DNFing soldiers to take them to the next checkpoint, but it was left behind at mile 60. The claim that they all rode on the horse during some point in the first 40 miles is an impossible charge because they were never all together after the start. These soldiers were not trying to make some sort of historical Western States claim. They were only determined to accomplish with integrity an endurance test under orders of their commanding officer. When interviewed in 2017 and 2018, 
none of the soldiers had ever heard of the Western States 100, but still vividly recalled the suffering they experienced and knew that they had accomplished the entire march. Myth number 10. The history of the 1972 march is sketchy at best. After the 2018 article, Western States 100 on Foot, The Forgotten First Finishers, was published, the Western States historian added a curious paragraph to the Western States website, which still remains. It states, Details of the hike are sketchy at best, with some rumored to have taken a shortcut. The details are not sketchy at all. Details are backed up by very numerous long 1972 newspaper articles published in the Auburn Journal and other newspapers with many photos. This was a big deal in 1972. Both soldiers and horse riders interviewed for the 2018 article remembered the event and shared their experiences. It is very puzzling why the Western States website tried to discredit this piece of their history. If anything, the march enhances the legend of Western states to be associated with war veterans who served our country honorably, who recognized the fame of the ride, and then accomplished that amazing march. Interviews with the soldiers late in life in 2017 and 2018 were delightful. They were so kind and gave candid, honest responses to questions. When one of the soldiers was told that someone wanted to talk to him about the march, he searched his memory and started to laugh. He had never heard of the Western States Endurance Run, but was thrilled to learn that he was a pioneer of the run. None of the soldiers went on to participate in endurance sports. Sadly, some of them had passed away, but it was wonderful and emotional to find their families and share the story of what their fathers accomplished. The rumor about taking a shortcut was twisted from the, quote, sketchy 7,500-word details of the 1972 march. Some of the teams of three soldiers became a bit competitive. One soldier couldn't understand how another group leapfrogged them during the night. After interviews, it was concluded that a wrong turn had likely been taken by one group who put in bonus miles while the other group moved forward on the correct route with the guide. Again, it is very curious why the Western States historian twisted that small detail from the article to try to discredit the integrity of the soldiers and their historic march. Myth number 11. Gordy Ainsley's horse went lame right before the 1974 ride, so he just ran it. These details seem to always be mixed up by those trying to tell the story of Ainsley's historic run. He had finished the Western States Trail Ride, also called the Tevis Cup, twice previously, and in 1973 he rode again but only made it to Robinson Flat, about mile 30. His horse became lame that year. He couldn't continue and DNF'd the 1973 race. The, the horse went lame in 73 and I ran in 74. You know, we can put to bed all this uh, the idea that I, my horse went lame at the start and I just said, I can do this on foot. Ainsley gave away that horse and intended to ride again in 1974, but procrastinated finding another horse. Drew Barner, Roby's assistant, knowing that the soldiers covered the course on foot two years earlier, suggested and encouraged Ainsley to run the course on foot to attempt to finish it in under 24 hours. She said to him, We're all wondering when you're going to leave the horse behind and just do it on foot. 
Roby had his doubts if Ainsley could do it. He said, quote, It is probably a universal opinion that it is beyond the powers of human endurance to span the 100 miles of this rough, mountainous trail on foot in a period of 24 hours, but Gordy probably will make one or two of the control stations within the operational schedule. A lot of people thought it was impossible, but I just came back to the math. All I had to do was 4.1 miles an hour, average. And it just seemed like I ought to be able to do that. Gory decided to run. Here is a truth. Gordy Ainsley was the first to cover the Western States Trail Ride course in under 24 hours. You know, I got dressed in the dark and Ralph and Betty Deaver, the timers, they were sitting there with a gas lantern on their on their table. And 10 minutes before the start, you know, it's like nobody was there. They're all back there taking care of their horses. I walk up to them and I say, well, I guess I'll be heading out now. And they said, good luck, Gordy. And I disappeared into the dark. And that was it. On 1974 race morning, Ainsley was given a good head start on the horses and tried to stay ahead of most of them for the first 30 miles or so to Robinson Flat. With all the single track trails in that section, he didn't want to be delayed by stepping off the trail to let horses go by, so he initially ran faster than planned. The horses then started to pass him as he slowed, but he passed them again as they slowed and took their mandatory rest stops. The days before, he dropped off eight drop bags at various points on the course, but he didn't carry much with him. A kind timing crew gave him canned peaches at last chance, and at Devil's Thumb, he was really struggling in the 107 degree heat. From Michigan Bluff to the finish, he panhandled for food and liquids from plenty of people on the course. With 20 miles to go, he asked for a guide rider to help pace him to the finish. Many people were curious and betting on whether he could finish by 24 hours. As the finish came closer, he had been passed by the majority of the horses and was running amidst the riders and horses, struggling to make the 24-hour cutoff in time. At the finish at McCann Stadium at the fairgrounds in Auburn, there was great anticipation whether Gordy would finish by 24 hours. Around 4.30 a.m., exciting news arrived that Ainsley was close to the finish. He entered the stadium, did a somersault and headstands before the finish line, and crossed with a time of 23.42. There were lots of cheers and congratulations. I arrived at the fairgrounds to the track, kind of happy, kind of full of myself, you know. And so I, I jogged around the track and I did a dive forward go over the finish line. <laughs> Yes, it seemed like a good idea. I didn't realize how close it was going to be. I mean, I, I only finished 13 minutes under the wire. While Ainsley wasn't the first to cover the course on foot, he was the first to prove that it could be run in less than 24 hours, which would eventually convince Roby to organize a 100-mile run. Ainsley's legacy as part of Western States 100 history is significant and not diminished by the Soldiers' 1972 march. Myth number 12. Gordy Ainsley was the first to run 100 miles on mountain trails in less than 24 hours. To be precisely accurate, no, he didn't come close to reaching 100 miles. In 1974, the Western States Trail Ride course was only about 89 miles, which is far off an acceptable variation for a 100 miler. However, many early mountain trail 100s likely had distance problems. 
More miles were added to western states in 1980 after pushing a surveyor's wheel over the course. After the 1984 race, the course was wheel measured by Pierre Laplante using a mountain bike and was found to be only 93.5 miles. Many argued, quote, What difference does it make? Western states conducted their own measurements, which were consistent with Laplante's findings. After Jim King's course record of 14 hours 54 minutes on the short course, more mileage was added in 1985 to bring it close to 100 miles. Western States Endurance Run President Kurt Sproul explained quote, The objective of run management is to offer to the participants a rugged mountain course that is 100 miles long, within an acceptable margin of error. The finish rate next year on the true 100 mile course dropped from 61% to 42%. Myth number 13 Western States is the world's first 100 mile trail race. Was Western States the first 100 mile race, as so many people state? No, there were many, many 100 mile races before Western States. The world record for 100 miles when Western States 100 began was 11 hours 38 minutes. The American record was 12 hours 45 minutes. Well, is it the world's first 100 mile trail race? You have to be careful with absolute claims like this. The first problem is the definition of a trail race. To be a trail race, must it have no pavement? Must it be all on single track? How much dirt road is acceptable? Is this splitting hairs? Well, the point of all this is that the 100 mile distance was competed on dirt roads well before Western States 100 came into existence. One very old example took place in 1806 when Robert Barclay Allardyce and William Cross of Great Britain completed 100 miles in 19 hours on dirt roads in Scotland. And then you have the problem that Western States wasn't originally close to 100 miles in 1977. To be totally accurate, perhaps this absolute statement works. Western States is the world's first mountain trail race to claim it covered 100 miles. But that doesn't sound like a very good marketing slogan. Myth number 14 Gordy Ainsley was the founder of the Western States 100. At times, Ainsley has been called the founder of the run. He was the first race director of the official 1977 inaugural Western States Endurance Run, but he certainly was not the founder. Wendell Roby was the founder and appointed Ainsley as the 1977 race director. And after that, Wendell came up to me and, and said what I was waiting for, you know. And he comes up to me and goes, Gordy, let's make this a yearly event. And I said, with. Publicity and all that? And he said, with publicity and all that. <laughs> Roby was the one who declared that it was time to establish a formal 100 mile run and put his resources behind it. It was said that Ainsley did not have the organizational skills and the vision to make the race truly successful. He was even proposing a requirement that entrants had to have completed a three hour, 15 minute marathon that would have excluded most ultra runners. Thankfully, that didn't happen. For the second year of the race, in 1978, Roby organized the Western States Endurance Run Board of Governors to take over the race management. Ainsley wasn't on that board, 
but became the important icon for the race and marketed it very well by telling his story. The board was determined to, quote, cement Gordy's place in history, and thus he was incorrectly credited in the press for years as being the first to cover the course on foot. Myth number 15. Gordy Ainsley invented the sport of trail ultra-running. <laughs> this is Ainsley's claim. On his blog, he states, I originated the Western States 100-mile run and the sport of ultra-marathon trail running. Trail ultra-running existed decades before Ainsley was even born. One must remember that in the early 1900s, pavement did not exist all over the country. Many ultramarathons were conducted on trails and dirt roads, including the famous races across America in 1928 and 1929 crossing over the mountains. In 1973, the year before Ainsley ran western states without his horse, there were 1,724 runners who ran in the JFK 50 miler, which was the largest trail ultramarathon ever run in the United States. No. Ainsley did not invent the sport of trail ultra-running. Here's another truth. The 1977 run was the only year when the run was held concurrently with the ride. In 1977, 200 riders and 14 runners started. If a runner wanted to pass a rider, they would yell, Trail! Andy Gonzalez won in 22 hours 57 minutes. Only three runners finished. The other two finished in more than 24 hours. That helped race staff to decide to extend the 1978 finish cutoff time to 30 hours. Because of problems with crowding on the single track sections of the trail, in 1978, the run was moved to a different day from the ride. Another truth. Western states gets the credit or blame for the medical weigh-in checkpoints that existed in ultras for years. Yes, with their extensive experience with the veterinarian checkpoints for the ride, the run organizers extended the practice to humans. For the 1978 race, it was crazy, with six medical checkpoints interrupting runs, taking vitals, including blood pressure. In 1991, ultra-running legend Eric Clifton challenged the ultra-running community to consider if medical weigh-in checkpoints were really needed during 100-mile races. He said, quote, Weight station's actual safety value is dubious. It may inform medical personnel that a runner may be getting into dehydration problems, but this is something the runner already knows and could simply tell them. All runners know what it is like to run out of fuel and water. They do not need a scale to tell them. The medical checks were a good idea initially, but the sport has progressed beyond them. The issue would continue to be debated for years and mostly stay in place during the 1990s, giving medical staff something to evaluate runners, and for most runners, it was something to be annoyed with. Truth. The Western States Endurance Run introduced the 100-mile belt buckle into ultra-running. Those who finished the 1977 race in 24 hours would receive a belt buckle with an etching of the figure of Hermes, messenger of the gods. Only Andy Gonzalez received the first belt buckle. In 1977, 14 men participated in the first official Western States Endurance Run. Their reward? The same silver belt buckle the horse riders get when they finish the course. 
tradition was born. After the 1978 race, Roby was ecstatic and said that they had caught a bear by the tail. He knew the race would become a very big deal and that Auburn would become the endurance capital of the world. Both the Western States Trail Ride and the Western States Endurance Run became amazingly successful, but curiously for both, their place in history has been overstated by some. Contrary to popular belief, the ride was not the first endurance ride and the run was not the first trail ultra. But the Western States Endurance Run was the first mountain trail 100, and it quickly became recognized as the premier 100 miler in the world. For more details of the establishment of the Western States 100 and the history of the first few years, listen to episode 16. If you enjoy the Ultra Running History Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. I read them all. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>